What's up, friends? It's DGS on DHP. Today's special guest is Shai Lin. Shai Lin is a faithful member here at Henson. He is husband to Blair, father to three kids. Uh, Shai wrote a book called The New Reformation and the Church, and that's the main topic of our conversation is ethnic unity in the church. Uh, fitting that we just completed the Ethnic Unity and the Church Conference here in Portland, so we reflect a little bit about that. Hope you are encouraged by this episode. We've already really appreciated having you guys here at our church. You've uh, benefited us just by being here, being mm. a joyful presence in our church. But uh, we loved the Advent class that mm. you did. Did you enjoy doing that? I did. I did. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, the whole church was there basically because yeah. it, it was the only class. It That's was the right. only show in town. That's right. So everyone was trapped. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it, it was a lot of fun. Well, there was a great turnout. That was, uh, I think, more people came out for Sunday school because of that class and mm. just wanting to prepare our hearts for for uh, the time of, of Christmas and what we celebrate in the incarnation. And mm -hmm. I just loved your biblical theology that mm. you traced through throughout. So thank you for serving us in that way. Yeah, yeah, it was a joy. And you've also served us with your music. So you, mm. we've started singing some of your songs. Like Neil makes these kind <laughs> of uh, uh, subtle references. Like he points out in the congregation, like, thank you, brother. <laughs> like everybody's thinking like, did, did I write that song? <laughs> no, that was you. So did you write Come Let Us Sing and Wonder or do the arrangement for that? and the benediction song uh, uh let us love and sing and wonder oh, that yes, thank yeah you. that was um back when i was at 10th presbyterian in philly so this is the early 2000s oh wow we had a, a fellowship group that used to meet and and that was one of the songs that we that we sang in that group and i've just taken it everywhere i've gone oh, okay yeah, yeah it's following me everywhere okay. yeah okay. so well way to go yeah and uh and then you just uh led us in the ethnic unity conference and i thought there was a pretty good showing from henson mm. uh relatively speaking along with the snowpocalypse yeah yeah uh, yeah for, for the ice storm yeah you know yeah it was it was good and that that was a blessing. Um, just really good time of fellowship and thinking through challenging topics, seeking to be as biblical and Christ-centered and gospel-focused as possible as we address the issue. Yeah, well, I thought I think it accomplished that. I was encouraged by it. Mm. Well, uh, for the folks who weren't able to make it out, we'll put a link maybe to the... Is there a website for that conference? And then we could... There so is. The talks are released. You could listen to them. Absolutely. Great. Well, yeah. We look forward to that. So the main thing we want to talk about in the t today's conversation is this book you wrote in 2021. Mm. Uh, the elders and the staff read this book uh, a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. um, the New Reformation, Finding Hope in the Fight for Ethnic Unity. Uh, so if it's cool with you, let's talk about this book. Let's do it. But before we talk about it, I, yeah. I do want to say that Henson, as, so as, as my wife and I have uh, talked about our time in Portland, and I guess we'll get to it a little later, mm -hmm. we've been here for, it's been about exactly a year now. Okay. Um, and it's unanimous between my wife and I that the best part of being in Portland has been Henson. Well, praise God. Yeah, it's been it's been such a blessing to be at this church, um, to be to be welcomed, mm -hmm. um, and the preaching is incredible, and mm -hmm. um, and then having intergenerational fellowship uh, with different saints, and mm -hmm. I actually love coming across so many people who have no idea what I do. 
nice it's actually really nice that's that that must be kind of a first for you it's uh, yeah uh-huh yeah it's first time in, a, in yeah. a church environment at least at least for a long time yeah um that there's just a lack of familiarity which is which really um is refreshing for mm-hmm. me because it it's kind of starts our relationship on kind of even level yeah. ground which i which i appreciate so good yeah shout out to henson it's been a blessing i'm thankful to hear that thanks for sharing that shy um so on this book, yeah, what convinced you to write it? Why write this book? Was it something that happened in your life? Was it um, George Floyd was twenty twenty? Mm-hmm. It's all foggy to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, twenty twenty. Yeah. So you wrote this in twenty twenty one. I wrote it in twenty twenty. It came out in twenty twenty one. Okay, so okay. I wrote it during the pandemic. Okay. Mm-hmm. So were you just looking for something to do during the pandemic? <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, my wife and I, we both wrote our, our books during the pandemic. So okay. we, yeah, we had time and, yeah. so, and so we did it. Um, nice. But for, for me, this, this book um, in many ways was years, decades, even in the making. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in the book, I go into my story from childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but these these issues of ethnicity and theology and culture, that's kind of been a, a through line for me throughout my my life and throughout my walk as, as, a, as a believer. So many of the ideas were formed years before. And I think the polarization that we've seen, um, particularly since 2016, um, really just um, brought everything to a head Mm -hmm. for me um, with uh, 2020 and George Floyd, that kind of being that explosive moment where it was just like, okay, something we we need we need to do something we need to really talk about this um in in ways that are biblical helpful and unifying yeah and was it did you have people egging you on to that end because obviously you've been thinking about these these issues for a long time like you said it's a big part of your your story and Mm -hmm. you share your testimony in this book we'll come to that was was blair saying hey you got to you got to write about that or, but you're, but you yourself are an author. I just, I don't know what the the genesis is for you, which leads to like releasing an album like you're uh, about to do or uh-huh. writing a book. Like what was it that pushed you over the edge? Was it the current events? Right. Well, so, so a few years before in 2018, I released a children's book mm-hmm. called God made me and you. Yep. Which is really about it's about diversity, right? Right, ethnic diversity, yeah. God's God's design uh, for uh, diversity in His creation, and in some ways, the New Reformation is the adult version. Oh, there you go, yeah, <laughs> of, of that book. That's so, great. so, so these are things that I've, I've, I've been meditating on and thinking about for years. Okay, I would think a lot of the church and many who listen to this podcast would know a little bit about your story, mm-hmm. but you you mentioned that this comes this book kind of comes out of your story. Mm-hmm. Could you just uh, briefly share your testimony. Yeah. How, how, and, and you're growing up. What was that like? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so uh, born and raised in Philly. Um, did not grow up in a Christian home. Um, my mom, she she grew up in a Christian home. But around the time that my older sister was born, kind of got away from the church. And so she never really instilled it in us. Mm-hmm. Um, around the time that I was in middle school, my mom came back to the Lord and just began talking to me about about Jesus and coming to church. And by that time, I had already made up my mind. I was 
already hostile and anti-Christian. Um, a big part of that was the kind of hip hop that I was listening to, which was kind of a um, political, philosophical kind of hip hop. Can you give us some examples? Who are the artists that you were listening to at yeah, that time? Yeah, so, this, so this, this is old school. So like Public Enemy, sure. um, KRS-One, people like that who, who basically they use their platform to communicate political ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so so I was fully indoctrinated. Um, and, and part of that indoctrination was an anti-Christian worldview. Um, so I remember I remember one of the artists I listened to, I used to listen to saying things like, if your slave master wasn't a Christian, you wouldn't be a Christian. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, and as as an impressionable 12 year old, mm-hmm. that just really, you know, stuck with me, that kind of thing. And yeah. so um so fully indoctrinated uh, by secular hip hop. And um, and so I wanted nothing to do with Christianity, Christ or the Bible. And so and I let my mom know that. And so know, did that put a rift between the relationship with you? It and your did. Mom? Yeah. It did. Now, my mom and I, we've always been close. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I remember when she started talking to me about Jesus, I remember telling her, stop talking to me about it. I will never become a Christian. It's great if that works for you. Sure. But don't please stop. Yeah. Um, and so it did produce a bit of a riff in our relationship. Mm-hmm. But after that, she just took it to prayer, you know, um, and mm-hmm. prayed for 14 years without seeing any fruit at all. Wow. Um, and so um, I ended up going to the College of Performing Arts in Philly to study theater. Okay. Um, and uh, in my third year, junior year, three semesters before graduation, I basically partied my way out of school. Okay. So I dropped one too many classes, took me under the credit limit for financial aid. And so were you a happy partier? Like this is you, oh, were, you were living your dream. Oh, I was living time? my dream. OK. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was a, a content hedonist. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, and and I was all also a, a self-righteous moralist at the same time. Mm. So a hedonist and a moralist. Okay. Right. Uh, how does that work? Deadly but, combo. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, so I'm out of, I'm, I'm out of school with three semesters left. Um, I started a theater company, did that for about a year. It was going well, but I felt like I wanted to kind of get out and see the world. And mm-hmm. so a friend of mine from school had a contract with a dance company down south. Um, and so uh, the plan was to move in with him, save mm-hmm. up money and move to Spain. That was my that was my plan. OK. And so um, and so I'm down south and in our circles, our party crowd, there's a young lady who was a believer. And, you know, she was part of my friend's dance company and she was just a faithful presence, you know, so she was she would hang out with us in our party crowd, but she wouldn't participate in our sin. And that just really stood out. Um, it was yeah, it was it was striking. I'd never met someone who was in my circle who was an actual genuine Christian. Um, and so and then also we didn't treat her well. So we made fun of her mm-hmm. behind her back to her face. She returned it with nothing but kindness. And that stood out. And and so long story short, one night at a party, um, I was completely intoxicated. Um, and if you would have asked me before that night, if I believed in good and evil, I would have said my worldview, which was heavily influenced by, uh, Eastern philosophy and new age religion. I would have said, no, I don't think there's a such thing as objective evil, like evil for its own sake, but just different levels of good. Mm -hmm. But as I looked around that room that night at that party, I got the keen sense that I was in the presence of the demonic. 
in a way that just just terrified me. And so I went out on the balcony to clear my mind. And as I was out there, I started thinking about things that my mom had told me years before. Um, and in that moment, I realized two things. One was that trying to run my own life just wasn't working. And then two was that I had rejected the Bible, but I never actually read it for myself. So I had all these arguments against Christianity, but it was only things that I was repeating that I'd heard of from other places. And so I was convicted of the foolishness of that. And so I went into a bookstore, grabbed the Bible for the first time. And the first thing I remember reading is Psalm 25, seven, David says, remember not the rebellious ways of my youth. Uh, that cut me to the heart. I let my mom know what was going on. She, she sent me a care package with, and told me to read the gospel of John. And so it was, it was through reading the gospel of John that I was converted in 1999. Were you, when you were reading the gospel of John that first time, were you like cynical or what was your, no, what was your attitude? No, no I, I, you know what? I, I didn't know what I was going to read, okay. but I was ready to believe it. Wow. Like the Lord had done a work of preparation yeah. in my heart. And Amen. so it was all brand new yeah. discoveries. Like when, as I'm reading, the thing that really hit me was the I am statements, mm -hmm. um, the, the authority with which Jesus spoke with no one's ever spoken like this man. Mm -hmm. that, and, 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 and when I, I read that that Jesus is God, that he's God in the flesh. The mm -hmm. word became flesh and dwelled among us. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? <laughs> no one ever told me this. Wow. I didn't know Christians believe that Jesus is God, you know? Wow. Um, and, wow. and so it was, by, by the time I got to the end of John, it, yeah, I had to bow the knee and um, and follow follow my Lord. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your story. Did that uh, woman who was in your friend's theater company, mm. um, who ended up being instrumental an instrumental testimony to you? Yeah. Is she aware the impact that she had in your life? Were you able to ever, or was it kind of a few steps removed? Yeah. Like, so so when I was at the bookstore, I, I would go to the bookstore and and just read. So, and so I would, I would read the Bible, um, in the bookstore. And one day she walked in with a friend of hers okay. while I was reading the Bible. Okay. Um, and just this big smile just kind of broke out on her face. Yeah. Um, and we didn't really even talk about it. Okay. Um, but I know that I, I, I can, um, intuit now looking back on it that, okay, I was one of her party friends, unbelievers that yeah. no doubt she was praying for. Yeah. And so to, to see me like, and, and I was, <laughs> I was a wild dude. And so to see me in, in the bookstore reading the Bible, yeah. um, I'm sure it was an answer to prayer, but I, I don't know that she actually knows like what the Lord has done with me. That's so what I was kind of curious. Yeah. Is, does she know anything of the fruit I, I in your ministry? I don't think so. Okay. Um, huh. And so I don't, maybe, but I don't, I don't think so. And so I'm, yeah, she's one of the people that I'm really looking forward to meeting at the, at the resurrection yeah. and thanking her. Yeah. For amen. Amen. And who knows, maybe she's a listener of the Disciple Insta podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Mm. Tell us um, how maybe your unique perspective, your background in hip hop culture, just your family, your um, ethnicity contributed to this book. Mm hmm. I know that's a pretty broad question. Yeah. But well, so one of the things I so the book is broken into into four sections. Mm -hmm. uh, the first being my story. Mm -hmm. Um uh, just it's kind of just sharing my background. And and one of the things that I mentioned is that after I got saved, I came back to Philly and I was immediately thrust into a number of different worlds. So first there was the world of 
my mom's church, yeah. which was um, a traditional uh, African American mm -hmm. church, mm -hmm. um, and then and then at the same time, the world of um, 10th Presbyterian, yeah. um, which which is uh, reformed, um, predominantly white church um, in, in Philly. And then there was the world of Christian hip hop, mm. um, which at the time in Philly, there was this huge Christian hip hop community. Yeah. Um, and so really, um, I was from the beginning kind of navigating all of these different worlds. Mm. And the one thing that different worlds had in common was that there was love for Jesus Amen. right yep. across the yep. board. But culturally, that love for Jesus was expressed in very different ways in those yeah. three different worlds. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a part of me that connected with all of those worlds in, in different ways. Um, and so I, th I think uh, as I began to do music, um, I, I had the opportunity to meet up with some of the people who were doing Christian hip hop, uh, mm -hmm. connected with some producers, released my first album, which uh, called the Solus Christus Project, um, which was was really um, primarily directed towards the hip hop world, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and and because that's where I come from, that's mm -hmm. that's my roots, that's my background, and mm -hmm. so um, so it was how, how do I contextualize my faith? Um, to those who are heavily influenced by hip hop culture. Okay, right? okay. Uh, so that, so that was my first album. Right. Then my second album, uh, The Atonement, was um, when, when when that came out. I don't I don't know that it was an intentional thing on my part. I don't think I was conscious of it. But what ended up happening with that album, the the sound of it was a little more stripped down, um, and um, and there were there was cer certainly it was a hip hop album, but the way that it was communicated, it was communicated in such a way that it began to really resonate with the kind of young restless reformed crowd mm -hmm. so so the and, may, and maybe that was my my 10th presbyterian kind of background okay um and and so so what that did was uh, kind of opened up a whole new world for me right um and and so and, and I, I outlined this in in the book that you know you know, me, a uh, uh, young African-American man embraces the faith and then begins to communicate the faith through music yeah. and am um, brought into fellowship with a group of people who embrace the truth that I'm communicating, but but do not have familiarity with the culture that, that, that I'm coming from. Right. Um, and so that that produced some some tensions mm -hmm. and um, but that kind of led to some of the situations that um, that I outline in in the book. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So then who, I mean, who is your target audience as you're writing this book? Who are you thinking of? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm thinking as, as I was writing the book, so as I was watching and observing the conversations around this topic, mm -hmm. um, you know, and again, with, with thinking, you know, 
between 2012 when Trayvon Martin happened mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to uh, Ferguson in 2014 and the um, the police involved shootings that you know that we all saw mm-hmm. uh, on online to the election of Donald Trump uh, mm-hmm. in 2016 um, to George Floyd in 2020 mm-hmm. as, as I'm looking at the conversations that are happening there's there's a lot of heat yeah not a lot of light yeah, right yeah. um it's 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 very emotional for different reasons for different people right um and and really what my aim in writing the book was um i wanted to direct it towards those who desired light hmm. in this hot topic conversation mm-hmm. um i wanted to speak biblically mm-hmm. uh for, for for those of us who say um my uh, my primary lens is scripture mm-hmm. uh rather than the news or political mm-hmm. party or whatever the case may be mm-hmm. um and so um you know on online uh polarization cells mm-hmm. right um the, the more controversial and um yeah, the more heat you can bring online, the better that's going to increase your platform mm-hmm. um, and the more extreme you can be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, I sensed over the years that there were a group um, of people who just desired something biblical on this topic yeah. and, and something unifying also. That's the other yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, cause, b- because it's such a polarizing thing, um, it can just be easy to kind of jump into our camps, jump into mm-hmm. our tribes mm-hmm. and, and just aim and shoot from, from, from the corner in our tribe. And, yep. um, and so, yeah. And, and brother, I, I so appreciate and am encouraged by that that tone. You spoke at the Ethnic Unity Conference, mm. started in John 17, and then brought us to Ephesians 4. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just that that spirit of, of gentleness, love, encouraging unity. I mean, it's right there in your, in your subtitle, but the tone throughout, I thought you captured that where I've heard people who may even um, maybe disagree with some of your conclusions mm-hmm. or, or, or maybe their, their way, they don't think, you know, they'd be far left of you or far right of you. Mm-hmm. They still appreciate the biblical basis of this book and i've heard them using this book or quoting from it mm. in a in a positive way not mm. not using it to like you it's really hard to use this book to like stoke that fire of, of that heat that you were right. talking about right so I, yeah i'm encouraged by and, that yeah and that it, that it reminds me of something one of the most impactful things that i've read is is the letters of john newton mm-hmm. um it's it's yeah i've had that thing a dear friend dear uh, sister, I call her my 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 uh, old Jewish mom. <laughs> uh, she's a Jewish believer who mm. loves Jesus, and mm. and her and her husband just basically kind of adopted me. And and before I was married, and then and then Blair and the kids, and so mm. they live in Lancaster, PA. Oh, and, wow. um, but uh, but my my Jewish mom, when about I guess I don't know, 15, 16 years ago, she she gifted me the letters of John Newton, and that thing has not left my possession since um such a great book and but what i love about newton is Mm. that is that he combines uh doctrinal fidelity Mm. orthodoxy yeah theology strong theology with brokenhearted compassionate pastoral wisdom and kindness and but in that book uh there's uh one of his letters is called on controversy okay uh where where he's he's counseling someone who's having a public dispute with another person on a doctrinal issue Mm -hmm. and one of the things that he says is that 
you're not just writing for your opponent. You're writing for everyone who's on the sidelines listening to this argument. Yeah. And he says that um, people, there are people who who are going to be reading your words Mm -hmm. who may not even like have a dog in the fight about the particular doctrinal issue. They may not have clarity on the doctrinal issue, but what they will have clarity on is your tone. Yeah. Um, Are are you loving this Mm -hmm. person? Mm -hmm. Um, They're going to be able to to detect that if if there's a Christian spirit Mm -hmm. in your writing that will be detected. Yeah. So keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, And, and so I I had that in mind as I was writing. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell I'm uh, thankful. Uh, Can you find that on controversy maybe online or read that uh, yeah or it's in his published volume yeah it's yeah, yeah it's, it's in his published volume and yeah. it's online too if you google okay. john okay. newton on controversy as, yeah and it's it's a i highly recommend that especially in our in our present uh environment uh why did you call this book the new reformation what does the protestant reformation have to say about the fight for ethnic unity why connect those two ideas yeah so so we are, and when, when, I, when I say we, I'm speaking about uh, evangelicals, mm-hmm. right? Um, when, when we think about the primary evangelical denominations, Baptist, Presbyterian, um, you know, et cetera, we... We all in America, but especially, but particularly just, just the West in general, we are sons and daughters of the Reformation, right? right? We right. all trace our theological lineage back to the Protestant Reformation. There's, mm-hmm. there's a reason why we're not Roman Catholic, mm-hmm. and that's because of the Protestant Reformation. Mm-hmm. And so what I wanted to do was, okay, let, let's, go, let's, let's go back there mm-hmm. and, and let's look at the, the main emphases, um, because we, we can all agree, like, the Protestant Reformation was a, a rediscovery of the faith that was handed down once for all, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so let's go back to this place where we're unified. We all mm-hmm. agree, mm-hmm. right? That 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 was a recovery, and it was mm-hmm. a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when we look at the Protestant Reformation, we see that the, what's known as the material cause is is the doctrine of justification by faith alone, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is an articulation of the gospel. That mm-hmm. that is. God in his mercy declares sinners to be righteous, not on the basis of our works, but on the basis of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who, who died God. on the cross and rose yeah. from the grave. Right. Yeah. Like that, that's the faith that we mm-hmm. hold to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so I wanted to start there mm-hmm. with, with this kind of unifying factor and then and then look at the idea of uh, where where did we go wrong? Um, and, and, and not, not in the area of doctrine, but in the area of ethics, Hmm. because, uh, Dan, one, one of the things that I really wrestled with, um, and, and one of the things that, one of the reasons why I wrote the book is I was wrestling with the idea of, is there something inherent within reform theology and its practitioners that leads to blind spots mm-hmm. in the area of ethnicity or slack, quote unquote race, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because when we look at the history, what we see is, as particularly in America, whether it's slavery, whether it's Jim Crow, whether it's the civil rights movement, 
the people who are our theological ancestors Mm -hmm. oftentimes were the most vocal in favor of slavery, mm-hmm. in favor of Jim Crow, right. against the civil rights movement. Yeah. And so the question was, well, wait, well why is that? Yeah. Like, what is that all about? Um, and, and so in many ways, this was an exploration for me to try to just to try. I, I was grappling with that question okay. throughout the book. Um, yeah. And so. So what I do is I go back to the Reformation and I look at the doctrines, um, yeah. you know, summarized in the five solas, right? Yeah. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, uh, to the glory of God alone, based on scripture alone, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and I kind of walk through each one of those and I ask the question, is it, is there something in that um, that produces the blind spot? Blind spot um, and spoiler spoiler alert. If you haven't read the book, the answer is no. <laughs> like that, that's not the issue. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> um, and but what is like how like like how how do we understand that? Um, and so, yeah, that that's really it was it was seeking answers to that is is why I went back to to the to the Reformation. Okay. That's very, it just struck me as you were sharing so often when people are seeking to make an argument, like a Christian argument for unity, for ethnic unity, Mm. that's like, let's go back to Adam. You know, mm, let's go. Mm. But I, I, it's it shows your artistry and your creative thinking. Like to let let's go, let's go to the Reformation, mm. where you know that's where I like that sons and daughters of the Reformation together. So mm. let's uh, go back to that source. There's a lot more we could explore there. Yeah, and you'll have to read the book, friends, if you want to hear Shy unpack a little bit more why he talks in terms of ethnicity mm. versus race and racism. Um, but uh, let's let's talk about the context you're in now. Mm-hmm. So. So you guys moved to Portland about a year ago. Um, if you were to have a chapter in this book about your move to Portland and what you've experienced here in Portland, anything that you would share that would be helpful for for us to know. Or, uh, basically, what I'm trying to ask here is yeah. not just about Portland, right? But uh, how has your how has the book been received and feedback you've gotten, um, and how has your has your thinking evolved on this? And and then in this last chapter of your your year here in uh, this very white city, mm-hmm. in, in many regards, yeah. <sighs> Uh, if I if I were to write a chapter on Portland, I would write about how difficult it's been hmm. in one sense mm-hmm. as an African-American man mm-hmm. um, in Portland, um, you know, with, within the first five months of my being here, there were there were five incidents that happened um, that led me to conclude that I wasn't necessarily welcome here. Um, so, uh, so for example, I I signed up for a gym in Tigert, um, and I went to. So I, I signed up in February, basically when we moved here. Yeah, um, had been a number of times. Um, one day I go and, um, you know, you have to scan you, the app at the front desk. So I, so I do that, and then I I go to uh, jump on the elliptical machine to do my old man exercises. Go. I got my AirPods. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Uh, just before I get on the machine, I get a tap on the shoulder from the the woman at the front desk, and she says, "You're gonna need to come back to the front desk. I need to see your ID." Um, and so I'm kind of walking back with her and I'm thinking, wait a second, um, my wallet's in the car. I'm so I have to have to go out to my car to get my wallet mm. with my ID. So I go out, mm-hmm. come back in, um, and give her my ID. 
And then she kept me up at the front desk for what was um, an, an awkwardly long amount of time like that I'm standing there and I'm not sure what, what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I asked her, um, like, is there a problem? Like, what, what, <laughs> what's happening? Yeah. And she goes, you know, we just need to make sure you are who you say you are. And, and, yeah. and just really curt and just kind of rude and abrupt. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and so eventually she, she, she gives me the ID and, but it, it, it was weird because I, I had signed up at that gym and they mm. already had, I knew they already had had my information because I yeah. gave them to them weeks before, you know what I mean? And I watched them enter the information into the system. Yeah. And I'm not the dude that wants to immediately jump to sure. like, you know what I'm saying? This, this sure. is some type of ethnic bias or right, something, right, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Um, like I, I try to, I try to give the benefit of the doubt as much as I can. Yeah. Um, but that was like, that incident was like incident number four out of five things that happened within my first couple of In months. In short succession. In short succession, of, kind, of, kind of kind of one after the other. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and, and so for me, it, like even as i walk around the city um sometimes i feel like people just don't know what to do with me mm. um and you know whether that's in customer service situations mm-hmm. um mm. or just 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 as i navigate uh portland mm-hmm. um and i think you know you mentioned that it's predominantly so this is i believe it's 94 percent white yeah right? portland, um, yep. yeah portland mm-hmm. so I think 4% African American population. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you have this, you know, on the one hand, this kind of strong progressive leanings, Black Lives Matter signs everywhere, right? right. right. Um, but uh, uh, Michael Lawrence said something to me interesting the other day, day that really um, resonated with me. We were talking about the history of Oregon, mm-hmm. and he said that it was founded as both a no slave state in a no blacks allowed state. Yep. Yep. And when he said that, it just clicked. Is that right? Yeah. No yeah. slaves. Yeah. So, so, so if, so if someone were to come to, to an Oregonian, mm-hmm. you know, 150 years ago, they would yeah. be able to boast and say, yeah, we don't have any slaves. Yeah. You right. Just, that alone. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pat, pat ourselves on the back. Right. Right. But at the same time, yeah, no blacks allowed. Right. Right. And for me in present day, mm-hmm. it's like, Black Lives Matter signs everywhere, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's it feels like we love the hypothetical black people mm-hmm. that we don't actually have to interact with on a regular basis mm-hmm. because because as as I navigate the city, like mm-hmm. I don't I'm not feeling that love per se, mm-hmm. right? So that's so that's one part of my Portland mm-hmm. experience, mm-hmm. but then the other part has been the uh, the blessing as I mentioned earlier of being at Henson. Mm-hmm. So 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 being in a church. Uh, where it's very clear it's a community centered around Jesus mm-hmm. with uh, faithful elders like yourself who are seeking to to love the congregation and to 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 share God's word mm-hmm. Blair and I and the kids have been so so welcomed um you know day one you know um your daughter was you know or week one your daughter was knocking on our door can mm-hmm. Maya come out to play <laughs> you know what I mean mm-hmm. um and that's continued and that's continued <laughs> yeah. we, we just had, had we just had your daughter over for dinner last night and yeah. Maya's already, you know, mm-hmm. so, so having that community mm-hmm. um, and being embraced from the very beginning has been such mm-hmm. a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's helped in, in many ways to mitigate some of the challenging experiences of being in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, but, 
um, in some ways, that's kind of what you expect, right? It's yeah. like you know, you, you you have the world, and then and then you have the church, um, yeah. and uh, and we're very thankful uh, for the church. Um, Shy, there's so many other questions I have. Uh, you've brought out so many good things to think about. Sorry for my long-windedness. No, it's um, it's helpful to hear. I think I think many people might be surprised to hear about like your experience at the gym and that there's been a number of instances like that. Hmm. Um, so it. Thank you for for helping us to understand what, it, what you know what it's been like for you, and I'm so sorry that that's been difficult. But then so encouraged too that Henson's been a a safe haven and an encouragement for for you and your fam. Hmm. Um, how? What do you think? My question is like helpful resources other than your book in thinking through these issues. I mean, you should come to the Ethnic Unity Conference next year, Lord willing. Mm. Uh, you should listen to those talks, right? Read mm -hmm. your book. Uh, would you recommend like Isaac Adams' book mm -hmm. on ethnicity or it's called Let's Talk About Race? We're talking about race. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Would, would definitely highly recommend that by Isaac Adams. Um, the uh, And Isaac is the... Uh, he founded a podcast called United We Pray, okay, um, which is devoted to ethnic unity and, okay. and, and talking through these issues um, in a way that places uh, prayer at the, at the forefront. So, so I would recommend that uh, United We Pray, okay, uh, podcast as well. Great. Um, and then one one other resource I would recommend is <laughs> Frederick Douglass. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, Frederick Douglass. Um, is is known as an abolitionist. He's known as a key figure in uh, American history and maybe African-American history. Um, but I believe that he's a key figure in church history hmm. uh, because Frederick Douglass was a brother in Christ. Mm -hmm. He uh, loved the Lord and his abolition work was undergirded by his faith in the Lord. Um, he learned how to read through reading the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so so. I want to recommend he wrote three autobiograph autobiographies during his lifetime. Um, the second one is called My Bondage and My Freedom, uh, which I really want to highly recommend. Um, Excellent. Because, yeah, it, it, it shows him grappling with the the hypocrisy of of what he called slave master religion. Okay. And, and the, you know, you, you had this dichotomy yeah. of preachers preaching the gospel on Sunday and then the way that they treated those they enslaved on Monday and, mm -hmm. and Frederick Douglass had eyes to see this and, wow. and, but at the same time, he never lost his faith through the midst of that. Wow. Um, and so, yeah. Say the title of that. Frederick my, my bondage and my freedom. My bondage by Frederick and my Douglass. freedom. Excellent. And, and a, a companion to that is there's a book called uh, America's prophet, which is about Frederick Douglass. And mm -hmm. it basically it, distills all the things that he wrote concerning his faith into one volume because it's 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 stretched over he he wrote so many different things but uh if you want to if you want to see the through line of his faith uh america's prophet i think dilbeck is, is, is the last name okay yeah thank you for those recommendations uh shy we need to conclude but 
what have you been working on these these last days? Like, what what's you have you been? Are you working full time for Humble Beast, or mm-hmm. how? Tell us a little bit what kind of brought you to Portland, right? And uh, and about music and and any other writings that are current. Yeah. So uh, so Blair and I we came to Portland to work with Humble Beast mm-hmm. um, primarily so that she and I could do more things together as a couple, which is our our desire and That's our heart. Great. Yeah. Um, and so um, so we've done a number of things. Right now, um, my new album, Lyrical Theology Part 3, Sociology, is going to be coming out here in a couple weeks, Lord willing. Okay. Um, And so that's the next thing. And then after that, uh, Blair and I are working on a a conference, a family worship conference, um, uh, where we yeah teach on family worship. That's wonderful. And and so uh, you can look for, I think the first one that we're going to do is going to be in the Portland area. And so stay tuned for it. Do you have like a website or a way that we could, because I hear the album's not going to come out via streaming services. Like, do you have Uh a, a, how would you, what's the kind of, a tentative release date and how would one obtain this album and find out about the family worship conference and things? Yeah. So, so the best way would be to follow me on Instagram. If, okay. if, if you're, if you're on social media, right. uh, I'm not on Twitter okay. anymore. Uh, okay. So Instagram is the best way to keep up. Yep. Um, um, or uh, humblebeast.com website okay. will have updates and information about, about the album. Great. Shy brother, thank you so much for having this conversation. I'm so thankful for your book. So thankful for the blessing that you've been and your family's been here at Henson. It's been great to get to know you better here. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate you, bro. Yep.